Hey everybody, Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage and Rocket Companies. Last year, we saw historically low mortgage interest rates. In fact, over 1 million homeowners took advantage of refinancing or buying a new home with Rocket Mortgage. What you may not know is that interest rates are already starting to increase again. And it's likely that trend is only going to continue. Our team of experts is standing by to help you save before rates go up. With an official mortgage review from Rocket Mortgage, you'll see just how much money you could save by making a move right now. Don't look back over these next few weeks and wish that you would take an action. You could save hundreds on your mortgage payments or pay off your home loan earlier than planned. You could even take cash out of your home to pay off high-interest debt, complete home repairs, or bulk up on an emergency fund. When you want to secure a low rate, Rocket can. Call 833-8-ROCKET or visit rocketmortgage.com. Rocket. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, for years, Brooke's been behind the scenes helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically conservative perspective each and every time. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. Make sure you connect on the interwebs until we all get obliterated off of that. Uh, the Facebook is Brooke Talks America. Twitter is at Brooke Talks USA. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, Email me at info at brooktalksamerica.com, and you can catch all the podcasts and articles on my website, also brooktalksamerica.com or btaradio.com. You can listen to archived podcasts of this show on my website, and also I'm on Captain's America Third Watch. This month, I'll be every Tuesday, 5.30 a.m. for the early birds, both on this station, Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. Also, my podcast is available on iHeartRadio. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and Podomatic. Please share if you would. I'm working on an article about the glorious self-destruction of Hollywood, a la Orange Man Bad. Yep, he broke them all, y'all. He and their collusion on the pandemic to get him out. It may take some time for it all to crumble, but it will. And in the meantime, we need to work on conservative alternatives, which is what I'm always doing. Uh, it'll be up Sunday, so be sure to go to my website. And check it out. So let's get to the jelly. My guest today is Robbie Starbuck. He's a Cuban-American producer and director. He was nominated for Best Rock Video and Best Indie Video at the Much Music Video Awards, won the YouTube Play Award, won the Kerrang!, which is an awesome magazine, Video of the Year Award, and Beat Video with a message at the MTV VMAs. Robbie has directed or produced the official music videos for several multiple uh, feature films, including series of the Terminator and Transformer franchises, The Last Night and SpongeBob movie. He has directed or produced Natalie Portman, Jamie Foxx, Megan Fox, Snoop Dogg, Akon, Megadeth, among others. Substream Magazine ran a story on uh, cover story on Robbie in 2000, 2010 as well. The reason he is here with us today, though, is that all of that success could not save him from the one thing that would get you expelled from Hollywood as a heretic uh, from the world of entertainment, and that is, you guessed it, 
coming out as a conservative. So we're going to explore what happened there and what he as a young conservative warrior thinks are some of the shortcomings of the modern Republican Party, as well as what we need to do going forward. As you might assume, since I always talk about it, it will have a lot to do with culture. You can find Robbie on Facebook, Twitter. He has great Twitter game like yours truly and all the other social media sites, I assume. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to the show, Robbie. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. Absolutely. So Robbie is uh, coming to us from the awesome Trump Hotel in D.C., so we're kind of jealous about that. It's amazing. Hope they haven't destroyed that city too much. Well, you know, it's actually, it's really tragic. Um, we were walking, we went to the Capitol today, um, walked around that area a lot, and it was really heartbreaking to see not just you know, the, the, you know, gates and National Guard and, and the militarization of what's supposed to be the people's house, but also the homelessness in the area is is really bad. I mean, it's just it's awful that in Democrat cities, they don't seem to, to care enough to do anything to fix this problem. Yeah, well, there is actually a homeless, you know, they talk about the military industrial complex. There's a homeless industrial complex, and they like to say that they're compassionate people, but they're actually what I, I say language matters, and we need to call them cruel and inhumane, because allowing people to live in that manner is is cruel. It doesn't help them. It just serves to keep them in a self in a state of depravity until they finally hopefully come clean because a lot of them are junkies. And then they're going to have extended it long longer than what they could have if they had gotten them some help. And by the way, people get a lot of money in grants and they get a lot of money in salaries. So nobody's going to put themselves out of business like the Democrats always do. Right. Yep. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So before we get into it, I want you to share a little bit about how you went from being a celebrated figure in Babylon. I call it Holly weird, uh, you know, to being an unapologetic Trump supporter and conservative. How did that come about? Well, you know, I, I always had conservative values. And but in Hollywood, you know, I think for a long time, you know, like a lot of America, the most comfortable thing to do was you keep your politics private, you go, you vote. And, you know, that's that's actually was one of the things about America that was kind of nice is that, you know, it didn't have to consume your whole life. But I saw a train coming and I saw it coming a little bit before 2015 that the Democratic Party had shifted to an embrace of Marxism that was only going to lead to really dark places. And I knew it wasn't going to stop. So when I was looking at who I was going to support in 2015, the minute Trump announced, I knew he was going to win. Um, and I said mm. that, you know, people look back. I, I said it back then and I endorsed him not long after the escalator ride down where he, um, you know, made his big his big showy announcement. And um, I knew he was the guy, you know, it was very simple. And, and when I did the calculus in my head about, you know, what the best thing was for me to do, I really considered a few things. One was, you know, my Cuban background, having a family who mm -hmm. fled Cuba and knowing that this ideology of Marxism, it stole everything from my family once. And even though I was insulated, me being insulated didn't mean other people were also insulated. You know, I was insulated by that Hollywood bubble where I knew no matter what happened, it wasn't really going to come and hurt me or my kids. But that's not enough for me. It may destroy other people's kids. And that's enough for me to stand up and do something, because one of the great regrets a lot of Cubans have is that, um, you know, not enough good people stood up when they had. Yes. And I 
I knew I did not want to have that regret one day that, hey, you could have stood up and said something. And at the end of the day, you know, when I die one day, I want my kids to be able to look back and say, my dad had integrity. He did the right thing. He stood up for what he believed in. And that mattered more to him than money or than awards or friendships or whatever, because friendships aren't real if they're predicated on you staying silent about a part of yourself, you know. And so um, I decided to do it and make the leap and and be openly conservative, because the other element to this, too, is a lot of times when somebody comes out as a Republican in Hollywood, it's after their career. Right. They peaked out. And that was another consideration of mine was I was like, you know, this will really put sort of their um, their virtue signaling to the test where they're like, oh, we don't blacklist anybody. I'm like, I'm at this point in time, I'm turning down jobs on a reg- on a daily basis, basically, because we have so much work. Right. If I come out and they do what I think they'll do, which is just totally blacklist me, they can't say this is about talent or this is about you're washed up or whatever. Like a week ago, you were all begging me to direct stuff. So I've got to just go for it and be an example to other people behind me and maybe make that path a little bit easier for people in the future to be able to come out as a Republican. So being on, you know, that my show is all about politics and culture from a conservative perspective. I talk about this all the time about how the left is winning and they've been winning in that area and how the right needs to catch up, you know, because uh, as Breitbart said, politics is downstream from culture. I say it a lot on the show. It probably gets redundant for the audience. Unlike the the right, though, and this is the nature of things, the right just wants to be left alone. We want to go about our business, do our job, raise our families and leave us alone. The left is completely opposite. They want to be in your face. They're very aggressive and they're relentless in pursuing their goals. You know, we're relentless in the in in our personal goals, but they have political goals. And that's to, you know, transform the country. You have abortion mainstreamed because of Maude. Right. Gay. And this is all out of Hollywood, of course, too. gay marriage because of will and grace. Tranny shows because of RuPaul and so many other cultural influences on policy. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is talk about culture and how culture is corrupting kids and everything. You know, Hollywood creates the narratives in and of themselves. These particular shows may not be a big deal, but we're seeing that so many of these institutions from there to now all of the institutions of government have a very specific agenda that they're pushing. And. I know people that are in the Republican, you know, that are consider themselves Republicans and they don't see it. If you went to go tell them that they were Mar- I tell them, you know, I'm from here and I haven't experienced that. You tell them these people are Marxists. So BLM is Marxist. You know, I have a friend. He says, oh, well, it's not the whole organization. I'm like, these people want to upend the traditional Judeo-Christian values of this country. Like, full stop. It's not a question anymore. And it should be obvious to anybody. And that's what we're fighting against. Absolutely. You know, it's um, one of the great tricks in, in Hollywood is that, you know, they a lot of people didn't realize what was going on for a long time. And the reason for that is because Hollywood was messaging with subtlety. It's it's yes. actually it's one of the really big differences between our side and their side is that when people on our side make content, it tends to be very overtly religious, yes. or very overtly directed towards pushing them in a direction. And that type of overt messaging is a turnoff to people in the middle. It's a turnoff to people who are reachable because they don't like feeling like, you know, they're being specifically pushed a message one way or the other. So for about 10, 15 years, what Hollywood did is they very subtly shifted the value sets of Americans, whether it was scenes where, you know, a teenager talked back to their parents and was really Mm -hmm. rude 
crossed the line and the parents acted really cowardly and they didn't ground her or do anything, you know, take away privileges or anything like that. And they just kind of like catered to the child's feelings and they they didn't do anything, you know, to respond to it or whether it was drug use in teenagers or the idea of sexting or whatever it is, they injected the little things piece by piece, piece by piece into the psyche of children in America who are now adults. Right. And when you build that up over that period of time, all these subtle impressions, and it's it's little things like celebrating Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but you never mention uh, a Republican or conservative Supreme Court justice, you know. And they grow up with this messaging their entire life, and then they get sent to college, and the parents pay for college, where the kid is taught that everything that their family raised them with in terms of values is wrong. Right. And, you know, what what really matters is, and then they start using a lot of the same language that the kids have heard in TV shows and movies leading up to that point in time. And doing that is really effective because they're essentially having an adult now in a position of power that has been held in esteem by society telling them, look, everything that you've experienced in media and all of these impressions you've had, thousands, maybe even, you know, beyond tens of thousands of impressions as a child, I'm confirming for you now. That's the real way. Everything your parents have said is just ultra conservative, you know, trying to keep you sheltered and, and blah, 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 blah. And that's what's led us to this point, issue by issue. And so, you know, anybody who ignores the cultural fight is ignoring our future as a party, because to exist as a party, you have to have a semblance of culture. You have to have an identifiable culture. Mm -hmm. And I give praise to like, let's say Daily Wire, you know, what they're doing with their new films is with J9 Carano and stuff. It's very important. I visited their studio in Nashville recently. I can't say enough nice things. I don't even have a business deal with them or anything like that, but I was so impressed by the way that they're doing this. Um, it's the first time I've seen somebody on our side bring it to the the same level in terms of production quality and the quality of the the crews working on it to where, you know, you could say it's competitive with Hollywood 100%. I, if somebody showed me their last movie, Run, Hide, Fight, and said a Hollywood, you know, studio producer, I would have said, yeah, that makes sense, you know, because it was it was quality wise there. Now, if somebody told me the content of it and said a Hollywood studio producer, I'd say you're crazy. There's no way. <laughs> Um, but they did a similar thing. Their messaging was subtlety in that movie. It's not overt. It's like you're watching a, a, a blockbuster, you know, movie. I mean, it's it's a it's a great film and it, it pushes, you know, subtle messages about our core value set that are important about self-determination, self-defense and the relationship of a family and things along those lines. So, um, you know, that's that's something we need to grow on. Yeah. Well, hold that thought. We're coming on a break. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and I'm here with Robbie Starbuck, and we will be right back. More Brook Talks America coming up.
Do you need a tax preparer? Do you have rental properties? you need worksheets to help gather your information? If so, contact Deb Snyder at 727-424-4499 or email her at debsnydertax at gmail.com. You can find her on the IRS directory of federal tax return preparers. Go to irs.gov and type it in. Deb stays up to date on successfully completing the annual federal tax refresher courses that cover filing season issues and tax law updates. And remember to tell her Brooke sent you. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect on Twitter at Brooke Talks USA. Here's Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Robbie Starbucks. And that's absolutely true. It's culture, culture, culture. I I, I talk about that all the time, and, and the older generation just has no idea. You know, at this time, like, everything has been turned upside down. We're, we're basically living through a Chinese-style cultural revolution, you know, where the right used to be the party of the finger-wagging scolds, the moral majority types, pro-open borders, pro-big business. The left is now all those things. The the right used to be the country club, the elite, the the and now thanks to Trump, I call it AT and B, a BT and AT is like we're now the party of the conservative, the punk, you know, counterculture conservative. We're for free speech. We're for, you know, uh, closing the border, reassessing trade, stuff like that. You know, we we would have been the uh, WTO marchers back then, I think. But the thing that's so crazy now is that the left. The free speech movement started in Berkeley with the left, right? Mm. Now we're the free speech people. And in my opinion, you know, McCarthy was right about his assessment of, you know, Hollywood being full of communists. They're all throughout every institution now. And the Republicans during that time were talking about nothing, you know, maybe tax cuts, right? And then maybe abortion, even though they didn't defund Planned Parenthood. But it's like everything is completely upside down now. And now what they're talking about, obviously, I call it, you know, I write articles on my website, btaradio.com, brooktalksamerica.com. And I have an article on what I call the Furious Four. Cortez, Tlaib, um, Presley, and Omar, right? And they're talking about socialism. You know, Bernie kind of dabbled in socialism and sprinkled it around the country a little bit. Oh, Bernie's harmless. He's, you know, he's an old guy. He doesn't. And now here we are four years later, and they have just blitzkrieged the culture and the young people, especially uh, with the socialism stuff. You, being a Cuban-American, have talked about the dangers of socialism. You had a great, you know, everybody needs to check out your CPAC speech. It was really good. Is the goal of socialism is communism. I mean, Lenin said that it's clear. And do you have family over there? And if so, are they just horrified at the direction that America is going with this? You know, they, the, the same blue hairs that wear the Che Guevara shirt, all of the freaks, they would be the first ones murdered by Che. <laughs> they yeah. have no idea what he stood for. I explained that to people before that I see wearing Che shirts, um, even in t- Tennessee, actually. Um, we had a situation where there was a Che poster and I had to explain to somebody, um, you know, why this made no logical sense with their ideology yeah. that they have of their own life. But um, it's amazing. And Cesar Chavez, for that matter, with the immigration stuff, they have yeah. no idea. Yeah, he was hard. He was pretty he was actually pretty good on immigration <laughs> <laughs> on. You know, I would say this, too. Um, yeah. So we do still have family over in Cuba. Um, I think it's not it's not just Cuba, though. It's it's I think the whole world. Yeah. Uh, places that value, you know, the same things we value and anyone with, you know, sort of that inner moral compass, 
I think they're all shocked that America's at the place that it's in. Um, you know, you look, I was just talking to somebody today about socialized health care. And I said, you know, part of the reason I'm running for Congress is because we don't have people in there who can actually message on these issues in a personal way that can connect with people on an emotional level. And that's part of culture. Right. Abdicated our ability and our responsibility to storytell in a way that connects with the American people and is able to reflect back on our policy decisions. So like for me, we had a family member die just a few years ago in a cold hospital bed with no medical care. And she had been complaining of pain for years and the Cuban government didn't get her a scan when she had asked for one years previously. It took them years until they finally got it for her. And by the time they did, she had terminal cancer. And then once she had terminal cancer, they refused to treat her. They didn't even give her pain medicine mm. uh, as she died, you know, from cancer. And this is that is that is socialized health care. And if somebody says, oh, well, what about Canada? Well, first, let me stop you and say there's a reason Bernie Sanders and people like AOC have praised the Cuban healthcare system. OK. Oh, yeah. The- like Michael Moore sure. made a made a movie about it. Michael Moore, too. <laughs> they they allowed him into the one nice hospital in Havana right. to film. And that was his. He thinks that that represents the entire Cuban medical system. No, that's where the oligarchs mm-hmm. in Cuba go for medical care. Um the normal people don't have access to any real medical supplies. When we had family members visit uh, previously, it would be to bring supplies like, you know, things like Advil and tampons, stuff that we all take for granted for being able to go to a store and buy. We would have to have family members take in there because they couldn't get any of those things. Um, And then, you know, you look at a place like Canada, though, if they do want to go to Canada, There's a reason why so many Canadians come to the United States for surgeries and not vice versa. And it's not because socialized healthcare works really well. It's because it doesn't work very well. And it it leads to long wait times and you stop looking at people as human beings in need of care and you start looking at them as item lines. That's what socialized healthcare always leads to. Um, And I think that anyone who who's sort of pushing, you know, the idea otherwise is just um, they're they're really just exposing their own ignorance to the outcomes of socialism. And I think part of it is, is that it's the decadence of the comfortable. You know, it's like if you you literally can't find anything to complain about. So you're going to make some problems where they don't exist. It's like what we should be doing is to improve healthcare if there's a problem with it. And actually, most of the people that have that go and need health care get it just fine. So give the you know, like Obamacare, give it to the people that don't have it. But they never the left doesn't operate like that. Because their nature, their nature is to grow government and the way that they can grow government. What? It's like one sixth of the population. You're talking about health care. You know, it's but and and the thing that's so funny about it is that they say we we're going to have to pay for your health care, but we don't have any say in how you live your life. Right. Yeah. They want to have their say in how we live our life. Right. Whether they want vaccine passports and I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, but we don't we don't have any right to say, even though we're going to have to fund the health care. One of the best arguments, I think, against socialism is the grade argument. And there was a, I don't know if it was Ami Horowitz or if it was some it, it, I think it was campus reform. They went to uh, and I, it might have been University of Miami. They went to a school and they talked to the students there and they talked to them about grades. And these were obviously smart kids. They had been you know, they're well educated and they they asked him about socialism. Oh, yes, yeah, socialism's great, this and that. And then they talked about grades. So do you think that it's good 
you know, would you be willing to give up your grade of an A? Because he was obviously talking to the smart kids to give someone who didn't study, you know, some of your grade so that everybody can have a C. That simple argument, there was only one out of, say, 25 students that actually said that. And the one who did it really didn't agree, but he just wanted to seem woke or something. So yeah. it's a simple, effective argument that gets to the heart of matter. Whereas Republicans want to do this wonky wonk talk, Democrats go straight to the heart and we need to be able to communicate like that. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's sort of what I was talking about. You know, I will say one thing I noticed, you you know, said liberalism. Um, they're not liberal anymore. You right. Know? We, we, we have to make that apparent to everybody who has voted kind of lazily for them for a long time, because this is not a liberal party. They are illiberal. These people are left wing fascists. Yeah, uh, they're they're sort of actually I call them communist, actually. They're, they're actually they're actually very sort of difficult to pin down because they're a weird blend. It's like you got the Chinese Communist Party, a technocracy, a left wing fascist mm-hmm. and then the Marxists in Cuba and you put them all together and they had a baby and that that became, (laughs) you know, the Democratic Party of today. And it's really sad, you know, because it's 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 almost comical if you think about it, that if you go backwards in time, you know, to somebody like JFK, the Democrats would throw him out as a racist today. You know, and and that kind of tells you everything about them, you know, is that same thing. Honestly, even Bill Clinton, they'd throw him out as a Mm -hmm. racist, too. All of these people, you know, that's how far they've gone and as quickly as they've gone. And it's only going to accelerate. They're an accelerationist party and movement right now. So this is going to accelerate. And it's it's also, you know, accelerationist in terms of, you know, the the fire that they're bringing to our streets. I mean, it very quite literally. Yeah, it's it's something that's incredibly dangerous and it has to culminate in something. And whatever it culminates in is going to be really dark. And yeah. that's why I'm running, because, um, you know, we need people who are willing to stand up to that. Yeah, so we want to talk about that. So you're running for Tennessee's fifth district. The the younger people just need to like, I mean, we have a glorious week this week with Liz Cheney getting bumped out. We need like 10 more of these rhino oak tree, you know, deeply entrenched establishment Republicans out, out, out. Mittens, Sass, Kinzinger, all of them need to go. Okay, but really reform the party with the young MAGA, unapologetically America first. I had Joe Kent from Washington's third on my show a few weeks ago. He's a great one like that. Corey Mills, all of these young fighters who understand the culture, who can take it back. But are you what are you seeing on the ground? I mean, you know, and and we're obviously the new counterculture with the with the people that you're seeing. Do you see a lot of young people? Do they come out to see you? You know, do, do the older people understand what's going on? Yeah, so the older people definitely do. I would say that um, our movement is the most diverse I've ever seen in terms of age, race, uh, creed, all of the above. Um, You know, I I actually my wife and I were talking about this the other day. I was like, if Democrats could see Mm -hmm. uh, they went and looked at what the people look like and what the interests are of the people who were following me because of COVID and all the crazy laws and the people who've been basically, you know, red pilled by this whole experience with COVID. Um, they would be really scared. Look at the recent special election in Texas. It was yeah. a district that uh, Biden carried by three points and it flipped over 16 points to a Republican this time to, to the degree Democrats in total in that race only got 37 percent of the vote. OK, um, it is now going to be a runoff between two Republicans. A Democrat didn't even qualify for the runoff. Wow. 
because they did so poorly. And then in that same area, in a Dallas um, area where it's a Democrat school board, the school board candidates who won again, won by those gigantic margins where their opposing candidates got less than 37 percent of the vote. And they ran on one issue, eliminating critical race theory. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, we have a little bit of time left, but I I really believe, you know, I believe the election was stolen. I think I don't know what your position is on that, but, you know, they really are. I totally agree with your position because they saw a lot of border towns voted for Trump, like totally unheard of. Cuellar's freaking out about the border. They see what's going on with that. And I believe that in Dade County, the Democrats knew that they were going to have to cheat, but they didn't realize the number of Hispanics. You have Venezuelans that are over here from Venezuela. They're eating the zoo pets over there. It's horrible. And so people, the, the number of Hispanics in, in Dade County and the number of black voters in Dade County, I mean, they took out the walkaway movement off of Facebook for a reason. And I believe that's it. And Democrats should literally be afraid. And you love to see it. I got the popcorn. But listen, um, so you're running for Tennessee's fifth. Check out Robbie on Facebook. Twitter. Are you on Instagram? You on all yeah. the platforms? I'm on all of them. I'm on everything. All the alternative platforms, all the regular. I'm on all of it. At all right. R-O-B-B-Y Starbucks. Excellent. And if you have, you know, one of the things that we have to emphasize is if you have flow, you got to give it to these conservative candidates. All conservative voices need to get financial support because the left has billions that they're going to be throwing at everything. So, Robbie, thank you so much for coming on. I wish you the best of luck in your in your candidacy and go knock them go knock them out. Thank you so much. If anybody does want to help and volunteer, uh, you can volunteer even if you don't live in Tennessee to do funding. Us. Um, we're going to be helping candidates in other states. So even there in Florida, Tampa Bay area, we'll, we'll be helping local candidates all over the place. So if you sign up at freedomforever.us, you can get locked into our team. All right. Excellent. And good luck. And we'll talk with you soon. Thank you. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and we will be right back after the break. More Brooke Talks America coming up. Frederick Douglass, George Washington Carver, and my own dad would be furious about current approaches to race relations in America. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Frederick Douglass became arguably the greatest orator of the 19th century, a champion for freedom, and a U.S. ambassador. George Washington Carver became a world-renowned inventor. My own dearly departed dad was a valiant military hero, hard-working family man, and the world's greatest dad. All three men had a few positive traits in common. One, they did not allow their goals or actions to be dictated by those seeking to either oppress them physically or otherwise. Two, they never saw themselves as victims. They viewed obstacles, whatever they were, as situations, things, or certain people to simply overcome. 
Frederick Douglass, George Washington Carver, and my own dad all utilized their God-given talents, brains, and honest effort to vastly improve their chances of success in this life. Despite certain problems they all faced, they never hated the United States, but rather sought to encourage America to remember that all men are created equal with certain unalienable rights, which come from God. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. This segment is brought to you by Barely Pod Furnishings in Crystal River. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 3. They're a 3,000 square foot store with unique home decor for making your house a home, including a large selection of original American art, glassware, and pottery. Get 20% off using code BTA20 and remember to tell her Brooke sent you. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. Visit Brooke Talks America on Facebook. And now, your host, Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and another excellent Edwards Notebook by Ron Edwards. So, with the rash that won't go away ever, apparently, the Fauci China Wuhan lab coronavirus, it has come out this week unsurprisingly to anybody who's paying any bit of attention that the CDC collaborated with the teachers unions, wouldn't you know it, the president of which is a big Biden supporter to keep the schools closed. So that's not only sickening and morally reprehensible, especially because it's going to hurt low income and lower educated struggling students the worst, it should also be illegal and criminal. And I can only hope and pray that there are some really good lawyers out there preparing lawsuits as we speak. But lest we forget all of the lies and backflips that the garden gnome Fauci has done, here he is on asymptomatic spread. To just add one thing that seems to get lost in that question is that, as Bob said, and I agree, we would really like to see the data because if there is asymptomatic transmission, it impacts certain policies that you do regarding screening, etc. But the one thing historically people need to realize that even if there is some asymptomatic transmission, In all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. The driver of outbreaks is always a symptomatic person. Even if there's a rare asymptomatic person that might transmit, an epidemic is not driven by asymptomatic carriers. Yeah. It's wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Go outside, stay inside. Right? And now the lunatics on the left... Rachel Madcow, talking to you, because they're addicted to their face diapers, they need therapy, okay? Just like him with this whoopee, they won't let it go. Fauci, though, is thankfully on the hot seat, and I really believe, you know, I tweeted this out a couple days ago, that they're going to be dropping him like a hot rock because it's going to come out that he is, in fact, the father of the coronavirus, funding the Wuhan lab. Rand Paul, Bannon's been talking about this on uh, War Room. Rand Paul absolutely destroyed him on the Hill this week. This is only part of it. I suggest you watch the, you know, the rest of it, but it was absolutely delicious. New York had the highest death rate in the world. How yeah. could we possibly be jumping up and down and saying, oh, Governor Cuomo did a great no. job. He had the worst death rate in the world. No, you misconstrued that, Senator, and you've done that repetitively in the past. If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely 
and completely incorrect. I don't favor gain-of-function research in China. You are saying things that are not correct. Thankfully, though, we have Ron DeSantis, right, who deals with reality and has shown actual leadership, unlike Nana Killer Cuomo and the rest of the Democrats. And thankfully, our children will be following common sense and getting back to normal. So the question is, it's a great question, what about the fall school year? Um, What's our our direction uh, to the school districts and other schools? Um, And and our our direction is, um, you know, relatively simple. Have a normal school year. Okay. And, And that's what we want. And that's what will happen. And, and I'm looking forward to doing that. And, and I think that the, the school did that. Look, a lot of the charter schools, I mean, we Richard and I were talking about, we were at the classical school right down the road in, in, a, in the other part of town here. They had a normal school year, okay? And so I think that's where we need to be. I think a lot of schools have gone in that direction now. But, you know, here's the, these kids do not need to be wearing these masks, okay? I'm sorry, they don't. We need to be able to let them be kids and let them act normally. And that's what should be the case in the fall throughout the school year. Yes, it's good to be free in the free state of Florida. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and we will be back after the break with Colonel Jim. More Brook Talks America coming up. is brought to you by GDSM Productions Graphic Design. Since its inception in 1993, GDSM Productions clients have included many publicly held corporations as well as small and mid-sized startups. Creative expression through breathtaking design with over 25 years experience. Visit her Facebook page at GDSM Productions to get connected and get a quote on your next project. And remember to tell the Brooks sent you. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Check out the blog at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim Warshuk, who is the former Deputy Director for Intelligence at U.S. Central Command, served on the White House National Security Council, and currently is the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP Chairman. And because we stay MAGA and America first, I always like to remind everybody that he is the first retired military officer to endorse and support President Trump in Florida. So, Jim, uh, this is a really big deal. You know, all of this stuff is coming out. In my opinion, you know, as you heard, I talked in the last segment about the stuff with Fauci. You know, he's getting hammered now on his funding through NIH and NAID of the Wuhan virus the Wuhan lab in China and the the implications on the coronavirus 
from his part, right, I think is going to, it's going to be very serious, I think, for him. But it has been uncovered that there is a direct link between the Chinese military and a major Pentagon funded virus research center. That's really serious. Talk about that. Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, historically, going back, um, I see this as something that's became uh, a project or a program under the Obama administration to work with the Chinese to develop uh, various strains of uh, viruses uh, for the Pentagon. And the Pentagon has these these programs, uh, Fort Detrick, Maryland, where they do research on um, antibodies and 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 viruses and for legitimate purposes, right? For well, for yeah, to yeah. protect protect our military and to protect um, uh, Americans, and for the Pentagon to even be involved with the China CCP, the military, mm-hmm. in doing this kind of research causes me to. To, to wonder what what was really at stake here and you know this this reveals more about the deep state and what yeah. what's been going on um, and even as Trump came in a lot of these programs were still there and and buried in in the Pentagon and now this has been revealed so you know we need a uh, Congress, not that they'll do much to <laughs> investigate this because this is serious. How many billions of dollars was yeah. used? Um, what was the intent? Uh, what was the benefit to the U.S.? Uh, what was the benefit to China? What was what was China getting in return? Wh- who made who made this deal? You know, I can just imagine looking looking back through the Obama administration and wondering who's who was involved. You know, yeah. was Fauci involved? I would tend to think probably he was involved where they transferred money from from uh, NIH or other um, National Institutes of Health or whatever to the Pentagon to kind of hide, hide it because, you know, you can you can um, classify stuff like this and put it put it in the hands of the Pentagon. And it's hard. It's hard to find. Well, now it's been revealed. We just don't know what the extent was and what the what the um, intent uh, going forward is was supposed to be supposed to look like. Will we ever find that out? I don't know, but I mean, this should be a, a lead story. I mean, why no one is you know it's it's gotten a little bit of headlines, but why uh, no one is looking at it? Maybe this is something Tucker will touch on. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh. Fox News is the only one that's going to want to touch something like that, especially if it has anything to do with a Democrat. You know, if it was a Republican and it was Trump doing it or something, then, of course, they'd be all over it. But so that's something that will be a look. You know, we'll we'll keep a, a, an eye on Jim. will let us know about that going forward, because that's very serious. And the whole thing, you know, I know that you saw the the video of Rand Paul just slamming him. Why are we paying? I mean, Trump made the right move, just like with so many things defunding the who why are we paying china over there anyways right we sh- we shouldn't be funding them they're not careful enough obviously with the situation but so the other the big story of the week right was the the pipeline the colonial pipeline getting hacked supposedly right 
by Russia, people in Russia, who knows, right? But there was a major fuel shortage. The the implication is that all of a sudden, I talked about this with, you know, on my show, on Friday show, Friday Finance with Kevin Kay, is that the 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 stoppage automatically stopped the pumping of oil, that we don't have any oil, we don't have any gas left. That's not, has nothing to do with it, actually. It's the fact of hoarding, right? And you've seen the videos. Have you seen the crazy videos of the people putting the gas in the bags? <laughs> The one lady, I mean, this was from last year, but people are doing it in Tupperware and those tote, ba- you know, tote boxes and everything. It's absolutely insane. You know, like I you said, see. the Tupperware, you know, talk about, gee, are you just stupid? Or are you waiting for something to happen? Do you want to be deep fried in your own vehicle? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't smoke. It, Don't smoke with the gas in the tote. It's 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 insane. But people people do this. Um um, I see this shortage um, as a, as a test run. While the the Biden regime says that Russia was involved, I think they just want to be able to point the finger at Russia yeah. and blame Trump to, by saying, "See, Trump had this relationship with Russia, and look I what Russia did to us." Um, I see this as a test run for something greater down the road to where they bring the country um, to our knees with regard to gas and oil shortages. Um, It's been resolved now since yesterday, Uh but um, the, you know, the media hyped it. And, you know, if you just watched it from the very beginning, you know, a a combination of this happened, the media hyped it and we, we had a major panic with regard to to gas in yeah. a matter of two or three days. Th- these are well, things that- Biden also had canceled the Keystone Pipeline. So that probably added a lot of anxiety to it as well. You know, <laughs> well, you he know- knows how, people know how he feels about natural gas and oil that they had one pipeline go down the colonial and then he canceled the Keystone Pipeline. So that you know, people think, oh, we're going to really be in trouble with gas. And so they hoard it. People are realizing, wow, look what we've given up yeah. from Trump in in 100 days. Mm-hmm. We've gone from total energy inde- independence now to, you know, you know, for, where, where are we getting our oil now? And at the same time, the Middle East is, is blowing up. Yeah. You know, nothing... Nothing happened in the Middle East for four years of the of uh, the Trump administration. Things were relatively quiet, other than some um, terrorist strikes by by the U.S. But by and large, there was nothing going on. Things were quiet. Trump had worked a number of peace deals, and this is all tied because people want us to be dependent on foreign oil. They just want to hurt the economy. We have a little bit of time left. I want to make sure that we get to this one point is that there's there's a lot of stuff going on and we'll be talking about it as it comes to fruition is there's a public hearing by the Arizona State Senate uh, on Monday. There is Elise Stefanik was elected the U.S. House Republican uh, Conference Chair replacing Liz Cheney. Can we all get a clap on that? Yay, yay, yay. Bye, bye, bombs away. But this is really... I want to make sure that we can get this. The Lincoln Project, 
right? The people who, you know, we have a Lincoln Project locally, obviously, but the um, the Lincoln Project who doesn't care that we voted for Trump, they don't care what we think about anything. They are planning and still plotting, even though, you know, th these are the people that accommodate pedos, right? They're planning on going after and continuing to attack Trump voters, and they call it the the chink in the armor, so to speak, or whatever, on the the areas where they consider the movement to be weak. I want to listen to this audio clip really quickly. No one is going to win a Republican primary, a competitive Republican primary, I think for any seat, who will assert that 2020 was a legal election. Sure. Right. And just think about that. So what does that mean? That means we don't live in a democracy. So certainly in 2024, no one is going to get nominated for president who will assert that we live in a democracy. I don't think it'll happen in 2028. So what does that mean? that one of the two major parties of the world's only superpower doesn't believe we live in a democracy. There's nothing good. This party hasn't moved on. This party is enthralled in a cult of personality to Donald Trump, who remains the leader. See how long Donald Trump stays silent about even the most loyal of the loyalists when he thinks they're going to primary him. Mm -hmm. See how long that lasts, because he will come out of his, his lair like an angry dragon and he will go at them. We view the entire Republican Party as part of an undemocratic, autocratic movement, an extremist movement, and we want to break it. And so we'll strike at the places where the coalition comes together between the vestigal conservatives like McConnell, who thought they could ride the tiger, and the MAGA movement. And at those weak hinges, we'll strike. You know, we have about 30 seconds left. I want to make sure that we get to it. They they want to get rid of MAGA, Jim. I mean, it's it's obvious that nobody seems to care from the Republican Party that we voted for Trump. Very few people actually really support Trump and they want the MAGA movement to go away, but it's not going to go away. 15 seconds on that. Yeah. And this is this is a counter because I believe they know Trump has got things in the works Trump is supposed to be starting rallies again. Yeah. Um, I believe he's probably going to do maybe one a week. And, you know, once the momentum gets going, he'll he'll be out there on a regular basis doing it. That will bring back support to him. Not that he's lost right. any support, but they're fearful of that. You're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim. And we will see you next week. Make sure to download the podcast and check out the website, BTA Radio. You've been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot. Brooke says, connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. Connect on Twitter at Brooke Talks USA. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.